This is the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast, where we explore how to live a lifestyle of discipleship to help you grow in the everyday moments of life. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. Every Christian who follows Jesus is a minister. It may not be the way you make a living, but it is your full-time job. The Westminster Catechism says humanity's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Your entire life is about bringing glory to God, 24 hours a day. This affects the way you wake up, eat breakfast, drive to work, come home, go to sleep, and everything in between. In this chapter, Evan tells his own story of meeting Jesus and his journey toward understanding his entire life as ministry to God. Evan, can you tell us what got you started on your journey toward Jesus? Oh, being a socially inept junior high student, I think. <laughs> I was, a, I, w- I really was, I, I consider myself socially underdeveloped. And I wanted to be the most popular kid in school and just kind of failed miserably at it. So I was pretty lonely in junior high. And then attending church, this is during the Jesus people days, the the Jesus freaks or whatever you call them in, there, in 1971. And someone invited into this church, um, the Jesus people to speak to our youth group. And this person said that if you didn't have a friend in the world, that Jesus would be your friend. And boy, that did it for me. I was lonely. I said, I don't care what it takes. I, I need a friend. Jesus, would you be my friend? And the very next day I walked home from school and just talked intimately with God about my parents and girls the two things I had never talked with anyone about in my life. And that was the beginning of just a beautiful relationship with God. What led you to pursue further education and and this area of spiritual formation and and how we approach Christ in that way? Yeah, I think there's probably a couple things, two or three things that, that kind of combine on that. Number one is that I felt from the moment I had become a Christian, you know, this new relationship with God, somehow it involved a call to ministry. I didn't know what that meant, but I remember very early on thinking, oh, this this relationship with God is everything. I want to be a minister. And I think I just assumed what that meant was, was some kind of pastor in a church, But anyway, so that's a piece of it. So I assumed that I needed to go on for further education so I could become a, quote, minister. But the second thing is that I really do enjoy education. Um, I like learning. I'm fascinated with studying and that sort of thing. And so it's pretty natural as well for me to pursue that. Along the way, a couple of different teachers encouraged me to let my own questions guide me. And my questions have continually just kept me moving in education. Yeah. On that topic of of ministry, you just mentioned you thought it ministry was uh, always led to a pastoral path. Do you still believe that's the case, that only pastors can have that title, quote, being in the ministry? No, I do not. Uh, (laughs) Do you consider yourself in the ministry then? Because we had an interesting email exchange where... Uh, anyway, I want to dig into that a little bit. Let me phrase the question this way. How do you see yourself, your role in the body of Christ? Do you see yourself as a pastor, somebody who shepherds and stewards a particular flock, or more as a teacher, evangelist? Uh, 
How do you see yourself? <laughs> you know, the answer to that question has been a long one. Like I said in the beginning, I thought it meant pastoral ministry, and because I, that's all I knew. And then when I went to seminary, then I realized, oh, there's a few more options. And in seminary, you were either going to be a pastor, a missionary, or a teacher. And the odd thing was, is I didn't feel comfortable entirely with any of those. I felt like I wanted to follow God, but I didn't think that my ministry was a career. I don't know how to explain that. And interesting enough, even before seminary, both Sherry and I felt called to a form of life, you know, to a way of living that we felt like was going to be the vehicle through which we served um, God. And of course, the word ministry means service. So we felt very called to a way of living. But what we did for a career often felt in um, unsure. So after seminary, we did serve here and there, or I did serve as a pastor a couple of times. No, maybe three times. But also I started a, a painting business to train refugees. I was a union painter and remodeler. I taught secular schools in philosophy. So I've had a lot of different jobs but I never always never always thought that the job wasn't my ministry. My ministry was my life, which had to do with relationships with people and how we lived and um, the way I would communicate and help others. Yeah. How or when should someone, if if you're talking with someone, or especially if they're new in the faith, I mean this this story or this question becomes easier when you're talking about somebody who's new in the faith, but how do you make that shift from a disciple who's just solely focused on their own growth and their own needing to grow through certain stages of, of development to a disciple maker where they're taking what they've learned and beginning to impart that to others? Is there a certain time in their in their spiritual formation when they should be focused on one a little bit more than the other? And then what, what does that transition look like? I like to think of our ongoing Christian salvation in terms of stages, just like we think of any human being having an infancy, a childhood, an adolescence, and adulthood. So in our walk and growth in Christ, there are um, discernible um, stages. And even uh, the scriptures themselves talk about being infants or or being adults, you know, these sorts of things. So I don't look at them strictly, but there are recognizable stages. And so I think as you as you develop and as you, especially through your relationships with others, they'll be able to notice, oh, you know, you are actually beyond just getting a few basic habits, um, fundamental break with the past. You know, you, you've given up some, you know, big addiction or whatever it means. And you're ready to, you know, move forward a little bit, a growing sense of involvement in Christian service, perhaps, or maybe a little bit of, you know, theological exploration. And then even later, you know, now 
it's time. You don't just need training in one tradition. Maybe it's okay for you to explore some other things and and reach out a little bit further. And then so I look at it as um, natural growth in stages that are definable, but they have to be recognized in an ongoing relationship with a community of faith. Yeah, no, that is that is excellent. And how should one approach those stages? Again, sort of my desire to be very high-driven high and uh, growth-minded, my natural inclination uh, looking at anything called stages is to want to progress through them as quickly as possible so that I can be on stage four or the final stage, whatever it might be. Is that the way that we should look at these stages, that we should try to progress through them as quickly as possible because that means we're maturing better? Or do they really go along with the seasons of life and so we should really just sort of relax and enjoy the stage that we're in for what it offers us? Actually, I think that I think my answer is uh, a combination. One is that growth is a natural process, and in some ways, uh, you ain't going to make it happen. <laughs> that that's just God's job, and you will encounter whatever trials you need to grow because the Holy Spirit will bring that into your life, experiences, trials, relationships, etc. On the other hand, I think there's something really good to. Um, wanting to mature. And that's true in a, in our own life, you know, a, a young kid that wants to be more mature just as, as a human being, let alone as a Christian. So there's some value to that. Another, another interesting way of playing with this, um, I've not done it yet, but I've had a couple conversations. I would love someday to create spiritual formation, the game. By that, I mean I want to create an interactive video game, you know, cloud-based or whatever, where you actually go through levels. Now, the fun thing about a video game is that there's no necessarily one way of doing it, and you can fail forever at something until you actually go beyond and I think sometimes we go through trials and we didn't make it. And so we get that same trial in another form again, and we didn't make it. And so we keep rehearsing these things. And so I want to try and play with this way that we interact and there's practices and there's relationships and you you do things and submit them. And then when you reach the next level, you know, you see a picture of Evan in some robe and he says, ah, you have made it to the novitiate level, you know, whatever it might be. So I, I just think it would be really fun. But the, the trick is, is that spiritual formation is I want to de- What's the word I want to use? D, um, you know, rigidify it. It's a game. It's life. It's it's natural. But if we're intentional, we're going to make more progress. If you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. There's a sense in, in what you're saying that failure, making mistakes, and experimenting, and kind of relying on God's grace to carry you through all of that is a natural part of the Christian life. And it seems like, at least from my experience in my tradition, that a lot of people think that that kind of a thing, to make a mistake like that, is fatal. How can we, how can we kind of move ourselves away from that into looking at 
mistakes and failures as something that we can benefit from in the Christian life? One of the first things I learned when I was in high school after I became a Christian, I remember seeing this booklet and and being so excited about it, I copied it down on a piece of paper, thinking I may never see it again, only to discover later that I ended up handing out hundreds of copies. It was called The Four Spiritual Laws. And the first spiritual law of The Four Spiritual Laws is this, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I realized over the decades that that is so fundamentally true, that if I learn to start with that in mind, it means that I have the freedom to play. It means that I have the freedom to make mistakes. It means that I have the freedom to even have wrong doctrine. I, I, I have this list of heresies I have had throughout my life. And it's okay because God's love is much bigger than that. God has a wonderful plan for my life. And that includes everything that I can do to, to mess it up. <laughs> God's bigger than all of that. So for me, the first step is to just learn to live with the first spiritual law in mind. I love that ambition to make a video game of that. Josh and I have talked about <laughs> different versions of a, of a spiritual development video game, maybe one in which ah. the only way to win is to die, <laughs> to signify salvation yeah. and, and, and that victory gained oh, through death in Christ. Go. But um, one thing, though, on that, Josh actually just shared this with me last week, and it was a TED Talk on this sort of idea of the video games. And it's like playing the old Mario video games that he was talking about growing up in that he and his friends would go home after school and they would play this game. And when they came back the next day, they would say the same thing. Did you get to the flag? Did you make it to the end of the level? And the reality was it didn't matter how many times they failed. What mattered was is did they make it? <laughs> because that's part of playing the game, right? As you go through it and you, you try to jump on something and, oh, you know, you missed the jump and, you know, either the little Goomba hits you and you die or, you know, you fall through the hole and, you know, so, but you start over and you get to keep trying it. So I actually love that, that, that video game idea because it's so important, I think, to the learning process and might even help us approach that with, with this, what you're talking about is that God will always love us. And in fact, he encourages us to step out and to it sometimes fall, but he is waiting right there to pick us right back up. And so uh, I do. I, I love that. That's so encouraging. Thanks for listening to the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening at Daily Growth, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. Or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Be sure to check out the next chapter in our conversation where Evan talks about the value he's found in establishing rhythms in his spiritual formation. Music